Hey Lifekin, my name is Jaden and I am the children's director here. We are so glad that you're joining us today, whether you're joining us online or in person. If you are a new listener, be sure to give us a follow. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Either way, I want to remind you that one of the ways that you can participate in what God is doing at this church is by giving. Head on over to lifecanton.org slash give to support the mission of what God is doing at this church. If you are wondering what that mission is, well, then you are in luck. We are in week two of our code series, which is all about who we are as a church. This week, you're going to hear a message from Roger, one of our directors, about what happens when we encounter Jesus. Hey, Life Canton. I'm so excited that you're here. My name is Roger. Uh, I am a director at Life Canton, and I am excited specifically to be teaching during this message. This has to be my favorite series that we do. We do it every year. It is our code series, and every year I just see God teach us how to be more like him and take us in different and new places. So I'm excited for year four to see where God takes us. We already this morning, we've seen God moving in some amazing ways, and I can't wait to lead you into that encounter. Uh, But last week, Pastor Nathan kicked us off, uh, reminded us that codes are a declaration that gives meaning to who we were, purpose to what we do, and drives us to who we are becoming. He kicked off our series by talking about our code, You Belong, Uh, And and sometimes uh, a great way to help people belong is to set up an environment where they feel more welcomed. So with that in mind, he announced it last message, so I feel like I'm good to announce it too. Uh, Starting October, we will be bringing back coffee to help set up an environment. Okay. Last service got real excited about that. Okay. But it was a trap because (laughs) if you can cheer about coffee, you can cheer about Jesus. Uh, But we we are excited uh, for that. And and last week, we talked about this idea that Isaiah presented this image of God as a a water vendor, a vendor on the street, shouting and and pleading for people to come and and taste the water that he has, the, the water of eternal life. And we talked about how we come and receive that water as we are, that there's no, uh, needed behavior or, or, or any kind of things we have to put on, but we come to God and receive that water, that eternal life, as we are. If you did not get a chance to listen to that message, be sure that you go check it out, uh, because it is an opportunity to connect to uh, this, this place. And I, I got to say, last week, you guys, you guys lived up and responded to the call to belong, because last week we had 70 people sign up for Life Journey. Yeah, we can definitely cheer for that. So you guys responded, and I'm encouraging you to continue to respond by using the QR code on the screen uh, to fill out a Connect card and to reach out to find where you belong, whether that's a Life Journey or a Life Group uh, or even just receiving prayer and connecting to someone in prayer. So reach out, follow that QR code, uh, and just keep on belonging. This week, we're going to talk about our second code, which is Encounter Jesus. Now that you know that you belong, as you are, without any stipulations, you are ready to encounter Jesus. 
Before we get started, I'm going to start with a question. Uh, my students know that that's how I start. They're very used to being asked a question to start messages, so I'm going to do that with you guys. Uh, and the question I have for you is, have you ever had to wait for something? Mm, yeah, last, last service, you were like, mm, I remember that feeling. Uh, we don't remember that feeling super well anymore, because now we have this cool thing called uh, free over two-day shipping. Which, which has actually turned into like overnight shipping. I, I have, I don't know about you guys, but I've ordered things on Amazon like in the morning and gotten it like that night to the point where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with how fast you found my house. This is, you need to stop. <laughs> but that has, I think in some ways, robbed us of our uh, comfort with the, the waiting. But I want you to think back to the last time that you had to wait a really long time for something. Maybe you had to wait... Uh, days or weeks or maybe even months, do you remember that sense of anticipation, that expectation of the arrival? Do you remember checking its progress maybe on the app or on uh, your phone or your website and saying, how many days? That's the other, that's the other, listen, this is a side tangent. That's the other thing. Amazon will tell you like how many stops away it is now, which again is too much. Stop it, Amazon. (laughs) Just feeds our anticipation, right? Every time we check, we say, oh, one more stop, two more stops. It, it, it feeds that. <laughs> and we, we're also in Michigan, so let's, let's acknowledge that every, every winter we play the waiting game uh, for that package of summer to arrive. It may or may not, right? We're used to waiting in that regard, but we get impatient. Now, I want you to remember or imagine last time you had to wait for something really important something essential, something vital to your life. Uh, Maybe think about a passport. Uh, Those of you might have ordered a passport in the past couple years during COVID and know that it's it's become quite the wait. Uh, It takes a while to get that thing. And passports are interesting because there's almost a double anticipation, right? There's anticipation for the passport to arrive, and then there's the expectation for where you're going to go once that passport shows up and all of the experiences you're going to have once you hold it in your hand. And I want you to think back to opening that package or that envelope or whatever it was and finally getting to hold in your hand that thing that you have been waiting for for so long, for days, for for weeks, for months, getting to hold it in your hand. And if it was a passport, getting to open it and see your picture, that probably wasn't great, Uh, and seeing that picture and then dreaming about all the stamps you could put in it and all the places you're going to go. Do you remember that anticipation, whatever it was, whether it was a passport or something else important? Now, here's the thing. Have you ever received that thing you're waiting for and then lost it? That is my real passport. (laughs) But have you ever received that thing and lost it? Maybe woken up the morning of the flight and been like, where is my passport? I can't find it. Did I lose it? Is it gone? What about worse if if you woke up or, or opened that package again or a second or a third time and realize it was gone and someone had taken it. Someone had taken it from you. Do you remember or imagine that, that sense of loss, that sense of discouragement or defeat, that frustration? Well, did you know that in the Old Testament, the Israelite people were promised a land? They were promised a kingdom, and they actually had to wait over 400 years for it? Can you imagine waiting 400 years for anything? I think that's a little hard for us. Can you imagine generations of waiting? Can you imagine waiting for something that your father told you about, your mother, 
your grandfather, maybe your great-great-grandmother waiting in anticipation for this thing that your family has told you for generations and generations is coming to you. Now imagine the crushing weight of losing that thing, of losing that land, of losing the thing that your family had talked about and dreamt about and imagined for years, for hundreds of years. That is where we find Israel and by Isaiah 55, which is where we'll be spending most of our time today. Uh, they had been exiled. They had been taken out of their land. They had been conquered by foreign nations. And all of a sudden, they're no longer in this possession of the land that they were promised and that they had waited and they had received. It is no longer theirs. But in their exile, the prophet Isaiah comes to them and he has a message for them. A message to bring them hope, to renew their anticipation, to bring them joy. We're going to pick up today in Isaiah 55.3. Go ahead and open your Bibles to that if you have them. If you don't have them, that's okay. We're going to have it on this teaching screen. But if you want a Bible, please let us know. It is important for the people of God to be in the Word of God, and we would love to help you get your hands on one. So let us know uh, after the service or or during the week. But Go ahead and open to Isaiah 55.3, which says this. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. So in the midst of their loss, in the midst of their despair, God sends the prophet Isaiah to say this to them, that if if they would just come to him, if they would just hear his voice, he would make an everlasting covenant with them. Now, you all know what covenant means, right? You use it every day, day day-to-day life. Anyone? Did you say like covenant yesterday to a friend? (laughs) You probably didn't. So let's talk about what a covenant is. In the ancient world, a covenant was actually a legally binding contract between two parties. Uh, Usually in the ancient world, it was actually an agreement between a conquering nation or king and the place or the peoples that he conquered. And, And Isaiah is telling Israel that if you come to God, if you hear his voice, if you listen closely... God will make one of these covenants with you. Another way I want you to think of a covenant and and how I want you to process a covenant in our time today is that a covenant is a promise. And what this one verse teaches us about our God is that God is a promise maker. Not only is he offering Israel a promise in that moment, but he's also reminding them of all the promises he has made to them in the past. Because making promises is not just something that God did every once in a while. It is in his nature. It is who he is to make promises to his people. God was always doing that. So much of the Old Testament, the story and the narrative of the Old Testament is actually watching God fulfill these promises that he gave his people. And here he is, one more time, offering even more promises to Israel. There's actually one promise specifically in the Old Testament, that he made that is incredibly, incredibly important, not just to Israel, but to the church today. In the Old Testament, God promised David that from his line would come a king, a king who would be greater than any other king that the world had ever seen, a king who would rule with peace and justice, a king whose kingdom would never be defeated and whose kingdom would never end. Does that sound like a pretty good promise? 
Does that sound like the kind of leader you would love to have in charge of the place that you lived? And here is the thing about God. The truth about God is that he is not only a promise maker, but he also keeps his promises. We all have people in our lives who make promises, whether they are our parents, our family, our teachers, our co-workers. We all are promised things on pretty regular basis. And maybe some of us have had fairly good returns on those promises. We're surrounded by people who pretty often stick to their word or at least try to fulfill their promises. Maybe some of us, though, have people in our lives who are the opposite, who fail to keep even the most basic of commitments, who again and again let us down after they have promised us something. And students, you're just in the season where you're beginning to figure that out. You're beginning to kind of notice who are the promise makers in my life and who are the promise breakers, who are the people that tend not to keep their promises to me. So even students, students and adults, you might be getting to this point in your life where you're becoming suspicious of promise makers, not quite sure that everyone is going to keep their promises. And honestly, that's probably what Israel is feeling, right? Isaiah reminds him of a promise that God had actually made hundreds of years earlier, and now Israel has been conquered and exiled by foreign nations, and they're desperately waiting and hoping for this perfect, mighty king that God promised so, so long ago. They're probably wrestling with doubt. They're probably beginning to lose hope in the promises that God made them because they have waited so, so very long. And here's the other thing. God keeps his promises even when we don't. Now, we've talked about Israel being exiled, but what I really haven't talked about yet is, is why. And if you look at the first half of Isaiah, the prophet outlines it really clearly. They had lost their land because they had failed to keep up their end of the bargain. If a covenant is a legally binding contract, God promised to be their people and to give them a mighty nation, but he said that he expected them to be different, to be holy, to worship him, to love peace and justice in return. And at this point, I, Israel had failed to do any of that. And because of that, God tells them, I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take away the land because you didn't uphold your part of the bargain. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine not only being in the waiting and feeling the fatigue and, and the defeat and the frustration of that, but knowing that you're actually in the waiting longer because God enforced that, because God was correcting you. And God said prophet after prophet to warn them and to, and to try to bring them back to him. And again and again, they said, no, we're, we're not going to trust you. We're going to keep doing what we want to. We're not going to trust your promises. Can you imagine being in that place of waiting and knowing why you were waiting? And for them, it probably felt like God had not only taken away the land, but had taken away his promise. It probably felt like they were no longer God's chosen people, that he had taken their covenant agreement and shredded it in half. But church, we know that's not true because we know the whole story. Revelation twenty-two sixteen says this, I, Jesus, I've sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. What Jesus is saying here is that he is the promised king. 
A lot of translations will, will take this word source and actually translate it root. And the root of Jesse, which was David's father, is another term for this king. Jesus is saying, I am that king that you have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Maybe you guys are familiar with some of his other titles. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. He is the one who holds all other governments in the palm of his hand. That is who Jesus is. Jesus is the proof of God's promises. Did you know in the Old Testament that their testament, there are over 300 prophecies about who the king will be and how he will arrive? And did you know that between his, his birth and his resurrection, Jesus fulfilled every single one of those prophecies to the letter? 300 of them. We know that the promise that God made to Israel that might have taken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for him to fulfill is true because we know Jesus. We know what he did and we know who he is. And throughout the whole book of, uh, of Isaiah, the prophet points Israel back to this promise of, of a suffering servant, of someone who would suffer for their sake, of someone who would suffer and by that suffering win a victory forever. And what he's doing is he's reminding them that even though it doesn't look like it, God is faithful. Even though they feel defeated and crushed and frustrated, God is still faithful. God is still going to keep his promise. Despite their unfaithfulness to the covenant. So if you are here today and you are waiting, if you have been waiting for a long time, if you have been waiting so long that you're beginning to lose hope, feel defeated, feel tired, feel frustrated, don't lose hope yet. God sent Israel a prophet to remind them that God had not forgotten them, that he had not abandoned them, he had not taken his promises away. So if you feel tired and broken, don't give up yet. Even if you feel like God has left you, I need you to know that he has not that something is coming, that someone has come, that Jesus is here with you. And maybe you feel shame. Maybe you feel undeserving. Maybe you feel like you have done something to upset God so much that he has left you. But there's something weird about how God makes his promises, and I want you to think about this. So if a covenant is a contract, and a contract is a legally binding document agreement between two parties, Israel has failed to keep their end of the bargain. They have broken their covenant. So shouldn't God stop making promises? What is he doing? Something about God's covenants, covenants doesn't quite make sense. Isaiah, let's read Isaiah 55.3 again because I left out a verse. Isaiah 55.3, come to me with your ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you I will give you all of the unfailing love I promised David. What is God saying here? Everlasting covenant, as in a covenant that cannot be broken no matter what. Unfailing love. Here's the thing. This isn't a real contract. This isn't a two-way street. This is a one-way street. When God makes an agreement, it's not really an agreement on our end. Because what God is offering Israel is a free gift rooted in a promise. 
What God is offering them is a loving relationship with their father, not with some conquering, angry, oppressive king. Something that he is going to do for them, not out of superiority or strength, but out of love and concern. Something that he's going to do for them, regardless of whether or not they keep up their end of the bargain. Notice what is required. What is required but to leave your ears wide open, to listen. All that is required is to come to God, to approach him, to listen closely and carefully to his voice. And God is saying, if you do that, if you just come and you just listen and you just be in my presence, I will give you this promise regardless of your faithfulness. Eventually, the king comes to Israel. We know that Jesus came because we have a record of his arrival in the Gospels of the New Testament. And and in those accounts, Israel is presented with another chance to encounter God's faithful love for his people. And how do the majority of them respond? With open arms and joy? Not quite. (laughs) Because there's an issue. The issue is the king they got is not the king they expected. See, they were used to kings with armies in, in battalions in conquering. So they were, they were expecting armies and war and conflict and rebellion and a physical throne upon which their king would sit. But that is not what they got. And they couldn't see past their own expectations to see God's promise. Many of them rejected Jesus when he first showed up because he wasn't what they expected. And Isaiah tried to tell them. All through Isaiah, we read about the suffering servant whose suffering would win victory. But, but some of the Israelites' expectations were so big that even the suffering servant, who was Jesus, when he hung on a cross to pay for victory for them, they couldn't see it. Church, are we doing this? Are we mistaking our expectation for God's promise? And I'll be honest, I I have done that. Uh, For so much of my life, I had these expectations about a family. When I would receive a family from God and what it would look like. I had expectations about the age I'd be married. I had expectations about the age that I would have children. I had expectations about the kind of children I would have. I used to go around and tell everyone, I'm going to have twins. It's going to be a boy and a girl. We'll be done. That's my family's gonna be. <laughs> I had a lot. Of expe- a lot of you are like that's not how it works. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of expectations about the about my family, and eventually I, I realized what was happening. I grew up in a family with uh, a lot of um, pain and brokenness and dysfunction, and somewhere along the line, I had convinced myself that God owed me a better family because of what I went through. I treated God as if he promised to give me the kind of family that I wanted. And because that's what I expected, the waiting became unbearable. I became angry and confused and doubting. But do you know why the waiting was unbearable? It's because I was waiting for something that God never promised. And when we wait for something that we expect that God didn't promise, the waiting is unbearable. It is not something we can take. So do we look for things in our lives as if God promised them, things like comfort 
and wealth and security and position and power. Blessings that he never promised. Do we come to church expecting things? Do we expect a particular kind of worship music? A particular kind of message? May even a particular kind of person in the seats next to us? Or do we come expecting to encounter Jesus? We know that God's promise of a king is true because we have seen Jesus. We know that God's promise to rescue all of creation was true because our Savior died and was raised on a cross. We know that God's promise to adopt us as his children is true because of the family that Jesus started, which we all are participating in right now. We know that God's promise to be with us is true because we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you doubt that right now, if you struggle to see the faithfulness of God right now, if you have forgotten, then it is time for you to encounter Jesus. And here's the thing. We've been talking about the waiting. And the truth is that sometimes we're going to have to wait. Israel waited 400, 800 years. So we will have to wait sometimes. And and it's going to be difficult. But you know what we never have to wait for? Not one second, not one minute, not a week. We never have to wait to encounter Jesus. Because that is one of God's promises that we can experience right now. God promised to be with us. And we know that because we can come face to face with Jesus. And you never have to wait for that. Not another second. And that's how the waiting becomes bearable. When we rely on that promise. That God is with us and, and, and the truth that we can encounter Jesus. Then the waiting becomes a little bit easier. It becomes bearable. We develop patience, appreciation, love, peace, joy, all of those things that we experience when we come face-to-face, when we encounter Jesus. That is how the waiting becomes bearable. Jesus said this in Matthew. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In the midst of the waiting, we find Jesus. As we carry our doubt and our fatigue, we come to Jesus and he gives us rest. Rest that makes us able to get through the waiting. And I know I've been talking about Israel and their unfaithfulness, but let us not forget that that wasn't all of Israel. There's a group of men or women who heard the call of Jesus, the voice of God saying to them, come and follow me. And not only did they say yes, not only did they set aside their expectations, they set aside everything. They left it all behind and they said yes to Jesus and they walked with him and they encountered miracles, forgiveness, love and joy and peace and the power of God because they said yes to Jesus because they encountered him. And they realized that this is what the waiting was for. Israel was so wrapped up in their expectations that they couldn't see God pleading with them to come to him, to listen to his voice, to spend time in his presence while they waited for his promise to do the thing that made the waiting bearable. And I did the same. 
I was so focused on what, God, what I thought God had promised me that I missed some things. I missed that God is my father. I missed the fact that there's a family I can, can encounter now as I encounter Jesus, that there's a family for me to experience right now as I participate in the body of Christ, in this community. And that all of the love, because really, if I'm honest, a desire for family was just a desire to be loved, that when I encounter Jesus, I could experience all of the love that I could ever receive. And I am married now to a wonderful wife. It was not something God promised me, but now I'm learning to wait. To wait in my marriage. To wait for what God has planned for us. And as I wait, I'm so delighted in the ways that my wife models the love of Jesus to me. Because through her, I experience the love of Christ. I encounter Jesus. And now I wait and I know that he waits with me because she shows me that. When you encounter Jesus, you experience more love than you can experience anywhere else in this world. When you encounter Jesus, you experience a depth of forgiveness that you can never repay. And when you encounter Jesus, you experience the faithfulness of a God who will never forsake you, who will never leave you. And for those of you here who are followers of Christ already, it is our responsibility to help others encounter Jesus. That is what the belonging is for. We welcome them into this community, not to meet us, but to meet Jesus, to encounter him. So we're called that to, as people are coming into our community, to love them like Jesus, to encourage them like Jesus, to forgive them like Jesus, because we are the hands and the feet of Christ, and it is our, our responsibility to be a representation of Jesus to everyone who is in our lives and in our community. So how do we do that? How do we do that now in the waiting while we're awaiting the promise? Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but first, I want to invite some of you to experience Jesus, to encounter Jesus today. To begin a relationship with the person who will prove to you that God is faithful, that he is love, that he is patient, that he is kind, that he is with you. I want to invite you to do that today. And we begin that relationship with prayer. We begin that relationship like we would any other, with a dialogue with him. And as we talk to him, we will encounter him. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but let's, let's take a moment to pray together as a community, whether you are following Jesus or not. So go ahead and lift your hands or bow your head or do what you need to do to position yourself to experience that. God, we come to you today for the sake of your son. We come because we are desperate for your love, for your power in our lives, we're desperate for your forgiveness. And we know that if we approach your son, we will experience all of those things in person. So God, we ask for the strength to be still in the waiting and to encounter your son. We ask for the patience to wait because we know that in the waiting, that is where we find you. In the waiting, that is how we know that you are with us. 
God, for those of us who are here, who are following you, we ask for the strength and the encouragement and the patience and the kindness today to welcome people in to meet you. God, let this be a community where you are uplifted, where your glory is sought after. Relationship with you is our primary goal and concern for everyone who walks into these doors, regardless of where they are or who they are or what they have done. God, this, Jesus, this is your body. And we are blessed to participate, lead us to participate more every single day. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. So prayers like that are one way that we encounter Jesus, that we come face to face with him. Or to some other ways. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you might be expecting me to say, I want you to read this book of the Bible this week and I want you to pray this many times by the time I see you again. But church, why would I do that? Why would I send you home to encounter Jesus when we can encounter Jesus right now? So that's what we're going to do today. As a community, we're going to encounter Jesus together right now. That's right. So today I want you to encounter Jesus in worship and in community. Because when we worship, the Spirit moves. When we cry out to our Father, when we respond to Jesus, we experience love and joy and peace in the moment. All of the things that we have access to through Jesus, through the sacrifice. We feel the weight of his sacrifice and the depth of love that God has for us. So today, we're going to worship together. We're also going to experience communion together. And maybe some of you have never experienced that, and this is your first time. Communion is a moment of reflection on all that Jesus has done for our sake, on the fact that when he hung on a cross, suffered, and died, we can now enter into a loving relationship with our Father God. But it's also a moment where Jesus may sit with you. Not imaginarily, not by some fiction of our imagination, but actually sit with you in person. Maybe he has something to say to you. Maybe he has something to reveal to you today. So I want you to go after that with all your heart. Keep your ears open. In Isaiah, the prophet reminds God's people that if they would just come to him, they would experience a love like no other. If they would just listen, they would hear his voice. And if they would be still in the waiting, they would encounter him. So that's what we're going to go after today. Whether you're online or in person, this is a moment for us to do this together. So are you ready to encounter Jesus? Yes. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to actually move your body, your feet closer to an encounter with Jesus. If you're down on the main level, we have two tables with the elements there. If you're up in the balcony behind you, behind that half wall, you will have the elements there for you too. And I want you to move to them, to take steps, physical steps towards an encounter with Jesus. And if if you're at home, you're not exempt. I want you to get up. I want you to go to your fridge or your counter. Find those elements, those elements, whether bread or juice or whatever, to represent the body and the blood that Jesus has shed for you. I want you to come and get them when you are ready. And then when you have them, go back to your seat. Don't take them yet. Wait. And as you sit there, I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes.
I want you to picture Jesus sitting with you. What does he look like? How is he looking at you? What is he saying to you? What are you saying to him? Is he just sitting there with you? Is he have a hand on your shoulder? Is he wrapping you up in the biggest bear hug you've ever received? But I want you to see him there with you as you hold his body and his blood. And we're going to worship and and we're going to speak some scriptures over you about Jesus. I want you to sit in those and reflect. And then in a moment, Pastor Nathan's going to come back up and he's going to lead us in taking those elements together. Church, I'm so excited for how God's going to move because this is not going to be the end. This is going to be the start of your encounter with Jesus all throughout the week and we're going to do it together. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's worship. We will have some instructions on the screen. But sit and reflect and encounter Jesus face to face. Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. John chapter 17, verse 3. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. 1 Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20.
ahead and take out your cup. There's a thin, clear film on the top. Let's all take that off together because it's loud. And then we'll take the foil off afterwards. I'll give you a chance to do that. As we prepare to take this together, I just ask that if you are able, that you would stand. Go ahead and stand. And then we don't normally do this. But I'm uh, just impressed by Roger's message about how Christ loves us through people. So I'd like everybody in the room just to go ahead and look around the room. Go ahead, look around, move your bodies just a little bit, you know, turn. I can see you, so if you don't do it, I'll know. Just look around. We're the body of Christ. That the people around us, they love Jesus and Jesus loves them. And we're not alone. So much of our time with God is we think of as individuals, but in reality, we're one. And so as one, we will take this together. Go ahead and grab the bread and hold it in your hand and look at it. And then if you can, just encourage you to break it. And realize that in the same way this was broken, Jesus broke his body for you. In fact, he knew he would do it. And he said, whenever you get together, whenever you get together and break bread, remember me. He said this before it happened, before he was beaten, before he was, he was stripped, before he had a crown shoved on his head. Some scholars are confused at how he was even able to stand by the beating he received. And he did it for you. For all of us, yes, and that's what binds us together. But for you, the person who's saying like, yeah, you, the other people, not me. No, you. And he said, you know, you have done all these things, but I will break myself for you. So as one, let's encounter Jesus by receiving that gift. Jesus wasn't done. He raised the cup of wine and we have juice. And and he said, this is my blood. This is my life poured out for you. And then he died for us and his blood was poured out. But not only said this, this is a new covenant. Roger talked about how Israel had failed in their covenant to God again and again and again. And God kept showing up even when they failed. And that continued into Jesus But instead of a covenant that if you do this, then I will, he says, I will die so that you might have life. And then he on the cross said, it is finished. So when we take this together, we're taking in the very life of Jesus poured out for us, the kind of love that he invites us into. So let's take together. I believe that Jesus wants to speak to every single one of you. I told you at the beginning that it's no mistake that you are here today, that God had a plan. I prayed over our team this morning and said, God has a plan for every person here today. He had a purpose that he wanted to do. And our job isn't to make that happen, but to not get in the way, to position people to encounter the living Jesus. And so I believe that God is going to speak to you during these next songs. If you need to sit, sit. If you need to stand, stand. If you need to kneel, do what you need to do. But 
let us worship God in spirit and truth for Jesus Christ and how he has saved us. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that message. Stay tuned to hear more about who we are as a church over the next few weeks. Here at Life Can, we believe that you belong to God, so you belong to us. If you have anything going on in your life related to the message or just in general, please reach out. We would love to pray for you or get you connected. The best way to do that is to fill out a Connect card on our Now page. We hope you have a blessed week, and we will talk to you real soon. Bye!